All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Lions Guy Podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. Also, interview other subject matter experts on various topics of performance and growth and, and review books and other resources to help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls. I'm the founder of Lions Guide. And on this episode, we've got Mr. David Fivecoat, who is a native Ohioan, and, uh, but today he resi- resides in Columbus, Georgia, after serving 24 years as a U.S. Army paratrooper, uh, which includes four combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and now having retired, he founded the Fivecoat Consulting Group, where he puts together blogs, he does speaking events, uh, coaches gritty leaders, and it really helps uh, develop gritty organizations. So on this episode, David and I talk about his journey and how we can grow our grit and have that uh, perseverance to accomplish our goals. Uh, if you like the sound of that, hit the subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in, getting value from the show, then do yourself a favor and go out to lionsguide.com and join our member community called The Pride. For no cost to you, it's free. You can get access to all kinds of exclusive content to include yet-to-be-released episodes of the podcast. We've got reading lists out there. We've got live virtual training events that we do throughout the month. Uh, We've got a private online group to engage with other growth-minded members and and a whole lot more. So again, joining the Pride is free, and, and I'm developing it all to help you break out of your rut and break through to the best version of yourself by establishing clarity, building up your courage and confidence, and truly establishing establishing yourself as the true leader of your life. So check it out now. Go to lionsguide.com and join today. That said, let's start the show. Today on the podcast, we've got David Fivecoat, who is a retired U.S. Army colonel with uh, four combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, 102 jumps as a paratrooper and former leader of the U.S. Army Ranger School. You're also a father, blogger, speaker on leadership, executive coach, entrepreneur, and author of the book, Grow Your Grit. So, David, welcome to the show. Dale, thanks for having me. Really excited about uh, talking to you today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what do you do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like you said, I, I, I spent about 24 years in the Army as an infantry officer, uh, all in conventional and airborne uh, assignments. Uh, but my culminating assignment was I led the U.S. Army's Ranger School and Airborne School here at Fort Benning, Georgia. In 2017, I made the transition and uh, retired and began doing leadership training with another, with another company. Uh, and I decided I wasn't gritty enough. So in, on the, the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, I decided I should start my own company. And so I founded the, the Five Coat Consulting Group uh, in uh, March of 2020 and have since grown it over the last 18 months. Uh, and we do leadership training, executive coaching, and I'm now the author of a, of a book that came out here in July called Grow Your Grit. So it's interesting since you went there early, like what, what about you? Was it like you said, I wasn't gritty enough. What was it? Like, what, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, that was, that was sort of a joke, but the, the, okay. the, the, the <laughs> genesis, the genesis of the book was, um, I was working with a client doing business consulting and, uh, they were thinking about, uh, hiring, uh, an outside agency to, talk to them about how to develop their grit in the organization. And they said, and the person asked me, said, Hey, would you take a look at this book? Cause you're kind of gritty. You know, you've, you've done these combat tours and you've done ranger school and um, you know, you, you compete in, in half Ironmans and are cyclists and all this other stuff. So you seem to have a lot of grit. So I looked at it and I came away with the same uh, problem that I saw with Angela Duckworth's book. Uh, you know, Angela Duckworth is sort of the, the, the 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 sort of uh, you know the genesis behind grit and why it's popular. Uh, she's a, a a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, has written and talked extensively about grit. Has a TED talk. Um, but I came away from her book and this uh, other guy's book both with the idea that they talk a lot about what grit is, how you measure it, who has it, who doesn't, how it sets you up for success. But neither one really offered a great process 
for how do you develop grit in yourself? And if you don't have it, how, what are some ideas and how you create that pathway to, to get there? So you have grit and grit is nothing more than this idea of being able to persevere and accomplish your long-term goals. Uh, and everybody has these long-term goals, whether it's, you know, graduate from college or, uh, you know, compete, uh, complete a marathon or do, uh, you know, stand up a business. They have these long-term goals, but a, a lot of folks fail at accomplishing them. So how do you develop that process that gets you closer to accomplishing those goals? Yeah, I thought, um, yeah, I read uh, Angela Duckworth's book uh, a few months back. And I look, I did, I, I'm with you. I, I really appreciated the way she defined grit, like really brought the data to it. Um, but, and there was some dance around to how do you about grit and things. So in, in her book was, the, it was the combination of passion and perseverance. So I, I did like it, especially as a parent, you know, um, and, um, as a leader, I did, I did appreciate just the in-depthness of kind of bringing grit to the surface as you're kind of saying like she she's kind of brought it to life so i did i did appreciate that of the book it was a good book um but yeah so when it comes to and and your book uh, you know you got some awesome reviews on it so congrats on that i thought thought they're awesome um so so you were inspired to write it because you just felt there wasn't someone out there like truly answering the formula of how to how to build your grip yeah, yeah. I, I thought that wasn't out there. And then the other thing uh, that I sort of disagree with Angela uh, about is this idea that you have to have passion. Because there are a lot of things that you do and I do that are gritty. You know, I, I walk my dog every day. It I'm, doesn't particularly bring me joy and, and passion, you know, happiness that I do it, but I do it because she likes to get out. I like to get out. And, you know, there's. It's something that requires some discipline and habit and, and all these things that we talk about to, that set folks up for being successful. But it didn't particularly have a whole lot of passion. I don't, I don't go out and tell everyone I'm a professional dog walker. Um, I know that may, you know, some yeah. people maybe you know, get, get fired up about that, but it, it doesn't particularly fire me up. Right. Um, who do you, who do you, who'd you write the book for? Was it, were you thinking about a certain avatar or type of <laughs> Yeah. Leader? So, um, so the book's in two two portions. Uh, the first portion is for individuals, and so for folks that weren't to try to to develop their grit. And, and personally, I think it's a, a great thing for either uh, folks that are just starting out, whether they're you know a teenager or somebody that just graduated from college. How do you think through when you're out in the world and there's lots of choices? How do you develop a system or a framework that helps you accomplish these long range goals? Then the second part is that I that I also spent some time thinking about and, and studying is this idea of how do you develop a gritty organization? Because a gritty organization is not just – you don't just take the sum of all the gritty people in it because you and I have both been in organizations that you know may have had a ton of great leaders, but they didn't have any followers or a ton of folks that are gritty. And then, of course, there was there was nobody in there that wanted to follow along or support what everybody else was doing. And so it falls apart. And so a gritty organization is slightly different. So I wrote it for folks that were either leaders of themselves and how do you develop grit for your personal stuff or how do you develop it as a leader to uh, develop grit in your organization? Um, Part of it was we were in the pandemic, you know, there's a, it's a tough time. Uh, Folks are struggling and I thought folks could really uh, be able to use it as a way to develop, develop things so they could accomplish their goals uh, as we work our way through this pandemic. And I think that's great. And I think that it's, it's, especially when it comes to leadership, leadership's just not one thing. It's a combination of many required things in, in, in my experience. So I think it's, it is important. And, and I guess I would ask if the formula isn't grit is a combination of passion and perseverance. Like, do you have a kind of different idea of what defines grit to be? <laughs> Yeah, for personal grit, I say it's the will to persevere to achieve long long term goals. Um, it, and there's there's some psychological back and forth between Angela and some other folks that say that uh, grit is nothing more than conscientiousness, which is one of the big five personality traits. Um, and uh, she counter argues that hey, it, it it has this long term aspect of it that sometimes conscientiousness doesn't, which which I tend to agree with. You know, you you. Mm-hmm. You know, a gritty goal or or something like that is something that that 
is takes some time and effort to to get to. It's not just you know this thing that you wake up today and and all of a sudden you're you're great at. For organizational grit, I say it's the group's will to persevere to achieve long term goals. And there's some components of each. And um, talk a little bit about personal grit. Um, I think there's six aspects of it that that help folks achieve that. And the first is figuring out your purpose. You know, everybody talks about, hey, you got to understand your purpose or your why. Then you've got to develop a goal. And um, I throw some ideas out there on how to do a better job on goal setting. Because I think folks do a, do a pretty good job of setting goals, but then they don't have that follow through on how to actually accomplish those goals. And I, I talk about that for, for a while. Perseverance, of course, that idea of how do you put one foot in front of the other? How do you build this momentum? Uh, you know, you've seen it right now as you're standing up your new business uh, in the rearview mirror. I'm sure standing up the first business was a lot easier. And now as you're putting that, that foot in front of each other, you know, it takes a little bit more effort. You've got to have some resilience because you got to be able to bounce back when the inevitable obstacle happens. Uh, some courage. And I, I love talking about courage and maybe we can get into that today. This idea of how do you deal with your fears because if you're really going for this uh, yeah. gritty goal, there's some fear there. And I didn't realize it until I became a small business owner on how much fear there is in being a small business owner. Uh, and then finally, you got to figure out what your motivation is, where it's coming from. Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? Um, how are you getting that energy? Uh, and there, any of those things are, are, are really fun to talk about. But I think those six things combined to, to create grit and create this idea of how do you get to your long-term goals. So, so run them back for me. So I had perseverance, courage, resilience, motivation. What were the other two? Uh, purpose, goal, perseverance, resilience, courage, and motivation. Purpose and goal. Purpose and goal. Purpose, goal, perseverance, courage, resilience, and motivation. Yep. So yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and I, I'm glad you brought up the part about courage because I think, um, you know, it was uh, one of your blog posts that you were talking about the fear of, you know, when your first jump is, you know, training as a, a young paratrooper and things like that. I thought it was a really good article. So I definitely want to jump into courage with you. With regard to uh, a grit, though, before we jump off this, like, I mean, you're, how do you feel? Is it something that we can grow? Obviously, you're writing a book, Growing Your Grit, but is it, I guess, what's the difference makes some people have it and other people don't? Yeah. Um so I think it can be grown and developed. I'm, I'm a hardcore believer that you can develop it. And I think everybody has a little bit of it. Um, I do think one of the things that's helpful is if you have grit in one area, you, it corresponds and transfers to other areas. Uh, for instance, your Marine Corps background and uh, played a role in you standing up the company. Um, because you had that grit, you persevered, you overcame, you accomplished some long-term goals in the Marines, which then set you up for success. And maybe, uh, and I can't remember your background if you played high school sports or, or stuff like that, but there are things like that that helped you as well before you got in the Marine Corps to develop that grit. There's some folks that you know may not have a whole lot of it, but I think if they sit down and spend a little bit of time trying to create this framework and understand their purpose and set a goal, uh, and then work through the other four, uh, they have the ability to develop some grit and, and make some progress towards that long-term goal. Yeah. So, and I'm going to paraphrase that back to you, right? So the, the, those folks who have the grit, like have some accomplishments behind them, they've gone through and they can look back and go, well, I did that. So why, why can't I do this type of mindset? So I think that was great. And if they don't have those things, I'm hearing you say, get out there and challenge yourself, like go out and push yourself through maybe some, some hard things that will help you kind of build that resilience, that, 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 that Rolodex to look back at and go, yeah, I did that. You know, I ran that half marathon, I, you know, whatever. I mean, if you, if you're not a runner and you get it, like you see it, I know you're into uh, endurance sports, like you see it and you hear about these people like running their first 5k and they're so proud, you know, because to them that is a a big accomplishment because they aren't really runners or weren't before they signed up or whatever the case is. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, this idea of, of finding, you know, a stretch goal or getting yourself into the discomfort zone, you know, that's where we learn and grow, right? You know, you get into this discomfort zone, you know, you may fail, you, you know, you, you know, I had a, I went up and did a, a bike race up in North Georgia. It was a 103 miles and about a, almost 11,000 feet of climbing. And there was a eventual point where 
I actually had to pull into a gas station. I never had to do this in a race and go in and get some water and a Coke and then sit in the chair outside the gas station uh, for about five minutes and sort of regather myself because it had just taken that much you know, I had one more climb to go. There were six climbs out of it. I had one more climb to go. And man, it had just taken that much out of me. And I just needed to sit there and sort of, you know, contemplate life, contemplate, hey, you know, why the heck am I riding the bike doing this? Uh, but, uh, you know, with a little bit of water and a Coke, uh, I was like, okay, I can get to the the next rest stop. I'll get there. Uh, I'll see what they've got and get some food in me and then try to finish this thing. But without having some of the background of, hey, I've accomplished gritty goals. I've done 100-mile races before. Um, that certainly helped. But there was a point where I was like, man, do I need to t- throw in the towel right now? Uh, because this thing this thing has kicked my butt. <laughs> the, it's it, That's the wall, right? And we, we have in these right. different races. Like you hit that wall. Is it, is it? So I know running, like marathons, we always talked about it, like the, the wall. Is it the same thing in bikes? That you, or do you guys call it something different or – well, so bike bikes actually call it bonking, where you know you haven't managed your your food bonking. and your your uh, your water, and all of a sudden you just lose all you know uh, drive. Basically, um, I I actually I, I, you know if you're lo- uh, an endurance runner, you know you, you know when you're going to hit the wall. For me, I I know it's starting to come on when I start to lose that mental edge or that competitiveness. It, does, it isn't a physical thing, but when I start losing that desire of, hey, I'm going to try to catch that guy in front of me, or I need to go a little bit harder up this hill, I'm like, oh, I need to eat. And uh, yeah. this race was just, it, it was a lot of climbing early on. And there just wasn't an, op- you know, you, you'd spend all this energy climbing these these mountains in North Georgia. And then you'd immediately get to the top and you, you drop into a 40 or 50 mile an hour descent. And there was no time to take your hands off the handlebars and, and get a gel or, or do anything else like that. And, uh, you know, I, I was stupid. I should have stopped, you, you know, you know, looking back on it, you're like, Oh, I should have stopped at the rest stop. I should have eat, eaten something. I should have been a little bit more deliberate and it would have resulted in a little bit better results than, than what actually happened. Yeah, and you learn from that, and probably the next time you're you're going to gear up properly, and and that's a part of it because now you you are getting smarter, right? It might have been a failure of sorts or the, a first time, you know, this happening to you or whatever, but now you know, and like that that will probably never happen to you again, at least on that race because you're or you're and even maybe planning for future races. Um, I learned that too on my first marathon. I think it was mile twenty one, and I ran the Marine Corps marathon five times, but the first time. I hit mile 21. I think we're coming out of um, Crystal City and I was hitting the wall about mile 21 and man, uh, what a terrible time to hit the wall because I came up on like Arlington National Cemetery. So I think to your point, I think you're getting to like the the psychology of it, like you're you're mentally just drained. And here I was like hitting the wall and, and literally starting to walk. I, it did good up until I hit the wall and I truly like felt like I couldn't run anymore. Uh, and it was the same thing, lack of n- nourishment. Like I thought I could run 26 straight miles and like not have goose and, <laughs> you know, all these things aside from what they hand out periodically. But man, I remember hitting the wall and Arlington National Cemetery was there to my left and the Pentagon was on the right, I believe. And yeah. I was just like halfway balling, like, you know, to myself, like, what am I doing here? Look at this cemetery. And it's like, it was this huge mental, emotional, like moment that, and then finally I had to go, this is why I'm here, get going, you know, and just kind of just start trying to get that momentum back up. Um, yeah. But I learned, like, I learned like my next races, like I had like a little crew that met me at, that we planned, like I had different mile markers. I carried a, um, uh, camelback and I had bananas in it. So it was something that I just learned that, Hey, if I got, I guess to your point, right. If I got through this with none of this, the, 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 the supplies and, and resources, how can, how well can I do if I, with what I know now? And that's, you know, got me going. Yeah. No, incredibly beautiful race. So uh, yeah, I lived in DC for, for three, three years there at the Pentagon and uh, you know, great point about, you know, it's the psychological and mental side that, you know, where we build that sort of resiliency, 
uh, that idea of, hey, how do we overcome these, these challenges uh, and get better at it? But you don't, you don't get there if you're, if you're not taking a risk and putting it out there uh, and, and having a little bit of courage to do something beyond what is sort of your normal day-to-day. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's in my latter years too, like even like working out, I'm like trying to, I'm recognizing like I'm hitting that point of failure. And now I'm like intentionally trying to see how far I can go past this. Right. Because, because that's really what is, is constituting our growth. Right. And we're hitting that, 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 um, hitting that bar of where we've come and deciding, like deciding, cause you can, right. You can hit your max, whatever, and say, yeah, you know, I only usually do about 20 and that's it, you know, and you can tap out right there or you can go, let's see how far you can go and keep pushing that bar. And then I, again, back to your point, like now, next time you come in, well, I used to be able to do 20, but last time I did 22, so let's see if, you know, you just kind of keep building on top of it. No one, you know, you've been there yeah. before. Yeah. So in a personal milestone, I turned 50 this year and one of my blog posts, I actually wrote about how do you be a good athlete after 50? And there's a guy, Friel, who wrote a book, Fast After 50. Uh, And one of the problems for us 50, 40 to 50 year old athletes is we get in a rut and we go out and we run the same 5k route every day, or I ride the same 25 mile route and you don't push yourself. And the most important thing for older athletes to slow the atrophy you know, you're, we all are losing muscle mass and all, you know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're older than 29 or so, we're losing muscle mass and we're losing speed and, and all that. And so how do you slow that atrophy down? And it's through the gym and weightlifting and it's through tough workouts that push it, push your boundaries, you know, whether it's, you know, sprints or, or, or repeats or stuff like that, that you're really right up at the edge of your max performance that's how you move the the bar and keep yourself being as fast as as somebody who's 25 and got uh you know still on the up the uptick. Yeah, I mean talk to me about your thoughts about the comfort zone today. I mean with regard to how easy it is to kind of fall into that rut, be comfortable, you know, like what where where are you at on that whole social dilemma? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think uh, you know most most folks that know me. Uh, I'm definitely not sitting in the comfort zone. You know, I'm always looking for a new challenge, and I'm okay with actually. Um, one of the things that I'm a little bit differently wired than a lot of folks is I'm okay with risking it and not being successful. And somehow I sort of dust myself off and I get back after it and hey it's a learning you know it's a learning experience and so that that to me is one of the more important things that I talk about in the resiliency chapter is hey you got to reframe things as uh you know it's it's a success and you should uh accomplish you know it should be uh you know if you complete whatever the task is and you get out of your your comfort zone um it's a success but if it's not it helping you know one of the big things is to reframe it as a learning opportunity and hey what did i learn from this so if i had thrown in the towel in that race um it was definitely a learning opportunity and i said okay you know i need to do a better job with nutrition i need to stop at the rest stops um you know, those couple of things will set me up for success in a future race or a future kind of endeavor where I'm trying to ride hundred miles and climb 10,000 feet. Um, I, I, I do think, you know, right. it's easy to be comfortable. It's easy to get in a rut and I am a creature of habit. You know, I get up every day at the same time, uh, you know, walk the dog and there is an ability to fall into that, that rut and be comfortable. Um, but for whatever reason, I still look for those opportunities to push myself and uh, try to try to keep moving forward and trying to you know make things better, get get better one percent every day. Yeah, I mean, and as you see it, like, what's the consequence of not building your grit? What's the what happens to the leaders or folks that are just not challenging them, themselves? Well, you see those folks that stall out career wise. Um, or stall out, you know, uh, you know, there's the, the popular term, the Peter principle, you know, you sort of rise to your level of incompetence. Um, you know, you see that with folks that lose, lose their drive, get comfortable, um, aren't trying to learn, uh, every day, uh, and grow and develop, you know, 
that's been the phenomenal thing about standing up my own business in in my 40s. It's pushed me to learn new things. You know, I had to de- learn how to design my own website. Uh, I'd never been on a podcast before. Uh, you know, I didn't have sort of an idea of w- what I should do if I'm on a podcast. Um, you know, I'd never written a book before. Uh, I'm not the greatest at sales. I will, I will, I will freely admit it. But I've taken classes on it. I've tried to get myself better at it. I've read books on it. Um, I try to get better and learn the techniques and 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 try to do things because you know I, I'm sure when you came out of the I, I know you you had the side hustle going when you were in the Marines but when I came out of the Army I had never made a sale you know and how do you do that and it's one of those things that you you got to teach uh, yourself and and keep growing and um, I don't know about you but I like to be around people that are continually sort of growing and learning new things and trying you know to Push, push themselves a little bit, um, falling into that rut and being complacent, um, yeah, works for some f- folks. And, and, you know, there, there are points in time in my life where I've had to sort of, you know, take a step back and do that. But, uh, you know, I, I like this idea of always trying to figure out new things and get better at things. I mean, you have to, I mean, I think it's to your point, like another way to say it is like, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Like, and like, like you said, you hit that prime at 28, 29. And if you, I think, you know, when you look at folks and they're, they're hitting their forties and fifties and that's a, it's, it's like, Hey, well, I'm 40 now. I don't need to be doing all that stuff. Like that's a decision. Like that's not a, a fact. That's a decision. Like you're, you're using, that age, that number as the low hanging fruit excuse to not put in the work anymore. Right. Like it's, we've got plenty of examples to, to see like yourself included, you're in fifties. You're in, and I've met many, especially in the last year, because I I would agree, like we're, we're going against the tide with this comfort zone thing. Like it's so easy to, to just satisfy yourself these days with technology and, creature comforts and whatever, like everything's so accessible. It's so easy to be in that rut. So it's, you know, we're outnumbered with regard to kind of trying to push yourself into your point, like get being around people who are of that mindset. Cause it's just so easy not to, I mean, it's so easy not to. Um, but man, I, like, like at 40, what the hell am I now? I'm 41. I'm in, I'm in the best shape of my life period yeah. to include like when I was in the Marines, whatever. And that's just as a result of, a constant, consistent pace of learning, pushing myself, you know, maintaining routines and stuff, uh, period. I, I, people have listened before, heard me say, man, I, I would whip the shit out of 17, 23-year-old me. I would beat his ass right now. Like there, there'd be no, no cop because <laughs> he just wouldn't have, you know, what I have physically, mentally, <laughs> you know, right now. And, at, at the, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done with that. I'm not going like, Oh, I'm 41. I, I've got it all figured out. Like I got to keep, I know I have to keep that going, you know, or, I, or I, I know what's going to happen. I think some people just decide that's what's supposed to happen, but it doesn't really need to be the case. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the quote from the, I think it's the Shawshank redemption where it's, you know, you got to get busy living or get busy dying. And, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of get busy living and Hey, you know, you keep moving the the bar yeah. forward. I, I agree. Middle-aged athletes and middle-aged executives have an advantage. You know, the younger folks, you know, have the advantage of years and time uh, to learn things and the opportunity to, to get more reps in. But there are ways that uh, us as middle-aged, uh, both leaders and athletes can take advantage of some of the opportunities that we have to quickly get those reps in and get to a level that's at, at the same or better uh, than than younger folks, and some of those is you know you hire a coach, uh, you know that's a great way. Uh, you know you can um, you, you know you can break it down into smaller portions and and get in lots of reps in wherever you figure out the most important pieces. You know for you it may might be doing squats in the gym, might be the thing that you really need to do a lot of, and that sets you up better physically than, um, you know, the, the younger athlete that might be in there doing a lot of curls because, uh, you know, they really want their biceps to look big and you, you figured out that that doesn't really do anything for me. And I can, uh, just focus in on the, on the squats cause that's going to be the maximum return kind of thing. Oh man. It, these, I went and did a speech to some kids at a high school a few months back and 
the football team. And I remember I gave the, gave the deal. It was like a 45 minute stint. And, and one of the kids comes up to me after he's like, how much can you bench? <laughs> like, man, I so haven't <laughs> been asked that question or even thought about the answer since I was 17, like you in high school, you know, like, <laughs> um, so and that so, was the truth. I was like, it doesn't, it, yeah. I, it, it doesn't matter, you know? So I didn't get into squatting and deadlifting until, uh, early forties. And I look back on, so I played high school football and we, we actually, we would go to the gym and, but we called it, we focused on the LG muscle groups, which was the looking good muscle groups. And so we were doing bench and, (laughs) and buys and neck and a few other things. I'm like, I just wish I had known about squats and deadlifts as a high school athlete, because I think I would have been so much better. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, even being smarter about like your whole physical fitness system, right? Cause it's not just cardio or not just how much you can bench. It's, it's a combination of your anaerobic systems and your aerobic system and, uh, and knowing that, Hey, it's not just about getting on that bench or getting on squat rack. Yeah. You need to do that because that's, that's part of your anaerobic system, but you also have to push your VO two max or do some high intensity work, you know, sprint work, whatever. Um, as well as your endurance work, you get some of your aerobic systems up, get, get, so it's, you actually, and I, I actually was, I, I, that, that I learned and I, I today kind of focus my workouts around that and focus on all of those systems and get a good, well-rounded, uh, routine. I would say the one thing I've learned is just, I just don't recover uh, the way I used to. Right. I mean, I just don't, I just yeah. don't bounce back. Yeah, I can't, yeah. You know, I gotta <laughs> be conscious of that. Yeah. I, I can't string together two hard workouts back to, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday. I can't do it back to back days. But, you know, on, on the same side, I'm willing to bet that you eat cleaner now than you did versus 17-year-old Dale, and you get better mm-hmm. sleep than 17-year-old Dale. And those two things, I think also, you know, as, as we get older, we figure some of these things out and put in systems that help us, you know, get that recovery that we need, eat better uh, you know, fuel the fuel ourselves better. That gives us an advantage over, you know, I eat more protein now than I probably ever have. But, uh, you know, I realized that, you know, I was reading a lot of when I got into squats and deadlifts, I was reading a lot of muscle magazines. And they're like, hey, you got to eat, you know, gram of protein per, you know, pound of body weight per day. And that's a ton of, of, of protein. But the yeah. the nice thing it has done for me at least and um you know i've lost weight i'm at a lower weight now than i was when i graduated college uh and any time that i was in the army um and you know i've got energy i've got you know i'm getting good sleep and um you know i'm able to accomplish everything that i want so uh i like your analogy about hey i could go back and beat 24 year old dales at, at any point in time right now. No, that's right. And I, and I actually took the opportunity to explain that to the kids that day. I was like, look, you think bodybuilding is in the gym. You know, your body's actually building when you leave the gym. And that's why it comes into what you're eating. Like you're walking out of the gym and you're slamming a bag of Doritos and that's your meal for the day. And you're staying up until 2 a.m. and getting up at, you know, a few hours later, like, because and, and I wanted to kind of key in on their ambitions, right? Because, you know, as far as, you know, being those young teenage boys that they are, they, they're like you said, um, what'd you say? The looking good, the look, the looking good muscle groups. Yeah, LGMs. Uh, <laughs> so they're all focused on the LGM. So I wanted to play to that a little bit. And like, hey, like you guys want to get big. That's cool. You want to look good. That happens through your nutrition. That happens through your sleep because that's when your body's building. Like you're in the gym, you're actually breaking your body down. You're doing these workouts, you're breaking your body down. And and to me, the way I tell people about it today is like you're telling your body like what the standard requirements are so that your body can evolve to meet those standards, right? You're going in, you're throwing weights around, you're breaking your muscles down so that your brain in essence is telling your body like, hey, well, if this is what we're up against, we've got to get stronger. So we've got to grow. And, and it's now it's grabbing those nutrients and, and building those muscles. But that's all happening, how you're fueling yourself during sleep and all that stuff. So um, it's something I think, I, you know, I'm just realizing it the way it needs to be realized, to be honest. Um, but it's, it that's the truth of it. Yeah. 
Well, and the other amazing thing is how much our bodies can adapt to the workload that we put on it. You know, you might increase your running by 10 miles a week uh, and it'll hurt for the first week or two. But then by week three, you've settled into that new higher load, which I I just, uh, you know, I, I, I guess as I, I've aged, I, I, I find that more amazing that you can put this load on it and all of a sudden your body will adapt to it, you know, whether it's, you know, doing 22 reps in the gym or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's, and it's to a point that you made earlier, which is like, you got to have the courage to go through it, right? Like there, there's the, this ego factor, this fear of the process that is in essence, that wall in our mind, like that, oh, we don't want to go push farther because we know it's going to hurt. We don't, um, you know, I think that's a big factor. I think your, your call on courage is, is an important one. Yeah. Well, that idea that, you know, you know, we all have fears, uh, you know, and it manifests itself in different ways. You know, it may be procrastination, you know, you know, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you, you may have procrastinated on rolling out your podcast or, or whatever. But part of that, it was a, a fear because you were risking it. You know, what if people don't listen? What if, you know, I fail? You know, what if I, you know, what if nobody likes it? What if everybody gives me a one-star review? You know, those kind of things are all holding us back, you know, whether it's in the gym of, hey, you know, I'm going to deadlift, you know, 405 today. Um, you know, the, the opportunity, you know, you might fail. You might sit there and pull as hard as you can and you can't get it up off the ground. But, um, you know, that's that's okay. But if you do get it up, you know, you got that that thing to celebrate and say, hey, you know, I set a new PR and uh, things are things are going pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, you're 100, percent and you just gotta be willing. And, and I'll say, I wrote this down earlier when you were talking about the race and all that stuff. Like, you gotta be just understand that you gotta set a baseline. Like, even like the choo- the choice to challenge yourself and go do a run or a race or whatever. Don't get all caught up into the results of that first time, right? Like, get out there and just set your goal to finish you know, no matter what it takes to finish and then take that and go, okay, I finished check. What do I need to do? If I were to do this again, what would I do differently? What would my goal be? Right. Cause that first race, you're really, in my opinion, just trying to establish a baseline. Or if you're even right. doing that, a part of your training, go like, go do like the distance. And, and so you have a baseline to start measuring yourself against. Right. And, and if you're older, like us, you know, you may be coming back to a, a sport that you did 20 years ago that, you don't know what your current baseline is and you have this mental image that, Hey, when I was 25, I ran, you know, X distance at X speed and, and you go back and like, Hey, I got to reestablish that baseline now. Cause I'm 20 years older and in a different spot and all that, you know, my big lesson learned out of the, the, the bike race was I didn't put in enough. I did some longer rides, but I didn't do enough of the even, the 70 to 80 mile training rides that would have put enough load on me and enough time out on the bike that I wouldn't have had that, that, that crisis and confidence there, uh, towards the end. Hey guys, Dale here. And I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called the pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique. Like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And, you know, what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet but exceed those demands on you and in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. 
Also, if you're enjoying the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level, and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. Now, I did the same thing. I ran the Baltimore Marathon one year. I was actually aiming to PR the the DC Marathon, the the Marine Corps Marathon. And my wife was pregnant. She was going to run the DC Marathon as well, but she she decided not to do it because she got pregnant. So she had a bib. And I was one of my buddies was running too. And I said, Hey, I got a bib. If you want to go run as, you know, you'll be Jody for the day. If you want to run the Marine Corps marathon, he goes, I'll do it, but you get, but I'm already scheduled for the Baltimore marathon. You've got to run that too. I'm like, Shit. so that was two weeks, two weeks before. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. But I had been training to do my, like, cause it was like my fourth, maybe Marine Corps or something. And I wanted to just meet the standard to run Boston. Cause I'm sure, you know, like Boston, yeah. you got to have a certain age group and time. So I was like, I was really like for, for 16 weeks, like really repping in the PR, the Marine Corps marathon. Um, and about for around a three hour mark. So I think I had to be like three fifteen or something like that. So, but I said, Hey, sure. I'll run the Baltimore marathon. Why not? You know? And, um, so I get out there, it's two weeks before the Marine Corps marathon, it just, First half ran an hour and 30. Like I was smoking. I was like, I, I remember coming around at the halfway point, looking up at the big red uh, digital sign or whatever. And it said an hour and 30 minutes. I was like, yeah, I was feeling good. The whole back half of the race was nothing but hills. And I never looked at the race chart and elevation <laughs> or nothing. And I do not live where there are hills. So I had not trained hills. Nada. In the Marine Corps Marathon, the reason a lot of people choose that race to qualify for Boston because it's a relatively flat yeah. run. Um, Super flat. <laughs> uh, man, Baltimore was not flat. And I, I ran – so I ran an hour and a half for the first half. I ran a 240 for the second half. I got just wow. – annihilated because I just was completely unprepared. I was not and just couldn't do it. And my body couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like it was just, it kicked my ass. I mean, it really did. Uh, it was, it was ugly, you know, and I ended up, so I went from like training to put on my best marathon show, proved it on the flat first half of the Baltimore completely wrecked myself. I was still wrecked for the Marine Corps marathon two weeks later. I did not meet my goal and it was all just like trying to do too much, not, you know, getting my head up, looking ahead. It was, it was a good lesson in like, don't just say yes to everything. Think you're, you know, right. All bad. You could do these things. Now, now did you ever, did you ever make the Boston qualifying time? I did not, Uh, you know, after that, (laughs) once the kids started coming and, you know, it looked to run marathons, these races, it it is a big demand on time. Um, yeah, I think I ran one more just for fun. No, no pressure, um, to get the five, but, um, uh, it takes a lot of time, you know, to, to get those runs in. Um, and the one thing that, that I had to decide, you know, cause my business was growing, you know, when you're putting in those kinds of miles a week, like I'm kind of, I'm drained during the day. I'm I, I walk around, I'm pretty yeah. skinny as it is. So I'm not, I'm not running around with a bunch of energy to burn, so to speak. And, you know, getting those big runs in throughout a week, I, I'm, I'm pretty drained during a day. So I had to make a yeah. choice. Like I can't, I can't spend four months out of my year, just burn out every day just from running. Um, yeah. So I shelved it. I shelved yeah. it. No, started great. Doing, started doing jujitsu after that. <laughs> great point about doing energy management and you know how you've got to prioritize with goal setting. You know, there's different points in our in our lives where um, you know the priority. You know, at one point in time might be work. Another point in time, it might be setting the PR on uh, the marathon or the or the bike ride. Another time, it might be family. Um, but I think that's you know as we get ready to head into 2022. Um, you know, as folks do goal setting, it's it's a good thing in January to sit down and go, okay, you know, out of the three big big sort of parts of of, of my life, which one is the priority for 2022? And let's have an honest discussion with our 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 spouse or significant other and and kids. Hey, you know, this year I'm you know all in on work and uh, you know the 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 workouts and and. Uh, family are going to take a little bit lower priority. Um, yeah, I think that's 
that's that's super important, you know, to have that acknowledgement because um, you know, type A folks like I think both of us are type A, you know, tend to try to do it all. And then you fall short like you did in Baltimore. You thought, hey, I can do it all. I can balance, you know, new family and work and 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 crushing crushing it and getting to a a Boston uh, qualifying time. And you know, we get a harsh harsh lesson that you can't you can't do it all. Um, and yeah. I see that now as an older person too. Hey, you know, you can bring your A game um, and. And bring that A game, but you you don't get it in everything, and so you have to be intentional and go. Okay, where am I going to spend the energy and make this really really important and really count? Yeah, it, it is a, a a good lesson to have because I, I've had to learn that too. Like you've got to you can't. It's it's the, it's the old Chinese proverb, right? Like like he who chases two rabbits catches neither, right? Like you cannot effectively go really kill major goals with three major goals at the same time. Like you've got to, you've got to focus and make your, your things that are in the foreground, you got to make that the foreground and only take on things that you can tolerate as background tasks, background uh, things or whatever. But you know, you, you rack up three major goals, right? You're setting up your quarter. Let's just say you're setting up your quarter, let alone your year, or maybe you are setting up your year, but you go, here's my three big goals for 2022. And you come out of the gate January one, like hardcore on all three of those things. You're you're gonna get. We're just not capable of sustaining that. But the better thing would probably be like, hey, here's my three goals for 2022. Uh, the first quarter, I'm gonna get this one done. Lock, yeah. check the box. Then over the summer, I'm gonna knock out two, and then that'll set me up nice to knock out the third one by the end of the year. Now you've efficiently taken care of those things. Um, and, and, and you know, it, it just can't be. And I think the other point to say about that, right, is that I'm talking about a bit of compartmentalization too, right? Because you can have a major work goal and a major yeah. fitness goal as long as you kind of keep them in their buckets of time. Like you can, right. you can manage that, but you can't maybe have two major fitness goals at the same time, yeah. um, you know, so. the You know, the, another great discussion that I love having with the executive coaching clients is, okay, hey, we do some goal setting and say, okay, all right, so you've done your goal setting, you've got your goals. Let's look at the calendar and put time on the calendar for these to happen. And then the second thing that I need you to think about is what is going to come off? Because you're at a full life right now and you're adding these two to three goals. So what are you going to say, hey, I don't have the bandwidth or the space or the the energy to take on to continue trying to do this and, you know, maybe a nonprofit that they were trying to do or, or, you know, a board or something like that. Like, Hey, you got to take something off so you can put the right amount of energy into this new goal. Um, because if, if you aren't in just saying, Hey, I'm going to work harder, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to hit that wall at some point in time and you're not going to be doing well at any of the goals. And that gets psychologically frustrating, and that's now it's now it's uh, affecting your will to persevere through the challenge of it and stuff like that. I mean, what do you see? Like, um, I loved your blog about coaching and why it's important. Like, and what are you seeing um, most amongst you know, like like your clients you're working with that what people are struggling with that that you're having to help them with? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, I'll take that question and go just slightly different. Um, you know, I think having a coach and I like to do it every other week. Um, I, I think especially for high performers, it's a good way to have that accountability tool where you've got to check in with your coach every two weeks and say, Hey, these are the things that I laid out as my goals. This is where I see myself as the, as the end state, but Hey, I need somebody to hold me accountable every two weeks. I try to send out an agenda for our, uh, I, I know you do it a little bit differently, but I, I have all my coaching clients on Fridays. And so on Mondays, they get their the agenda of what we're going to talk about. Of course, the agenda can change and you know we can go whatever direction that with whatever is going on in their lives. But it provides them that re- gentle reminder that, hey, you know we're halfway through between our sessions. This is what you said you were going to do. And I'm going to ask you again on on Friday, 
how you got after that. Uh, and so uh, that tool, that just that simple accountability tool uh, is powerful and, and really helps folks make strides towards accomplishing that goal. Um, it, and that to me is where I've seen a, a ton of, uh, for, for the, the clients, they've been rewarded with it. And then I get some professional and personal satisfaction out of just seeing them make progress towards these tough goals and because they're, they're leaders in huge companies and, and big organizations and, and trying to stand up their own companies and stuff like that. And it's just very rewarding to see them make progress towards these goals where maybe they were hitting the wall before and not, not getting there. Yeah. Not able to push themselves. Like, I think that's been, that's the power of coaching, right? You're really stepping in to help. Like it's, there's a reason like sports teams don't just, it's not just the players on the field running themselves. Like someone's got to help pull it together, help push them to their potential. Um, I think like, uh, what I like to say is like, you know, the hardest thing about self-discipline is the self part, self part, right? Like, you know, having to <laughs> hold yourself, lead yourself to a standard that you're setting is the challenge, you know, because even yeah. if you're like, if, um, unless you're talking to someone about it, it could be in secret that you're failing, right? You may be setting these goals for yourself, but you're not working with someone, you're not telling anyone. So there's not this, uh, necessity to maintain your word to a degree, right? Like you can, right. you're not, it's hard to push yourself sometimes. It really is. Yeah. Well, and having that accountability, you know, your spouse or significant other is, you know, to tell them the goal is a great way to, 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 you know, have that accountability. If you don't have a coach, you know, uh, another great tool that I love is, you know, taking the the sticky note and putting it on your mirror. So every morning you're looking at whatever the goal is. Um, I think another important thing that, uh, that I've helped folks out with is cutting their goals down to a manageable number. You know, uh, folks are busy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. And like we said, you know, yes, you can have these compartments where maybe you're maintaining the status quo uh, on your, your athletics right now, but you've really got to uh, hit these two goals in work um, right now in this quarter. And then you'll go back to, you know, trying to get to your sports goals uh, you know, your, your health and nutrition. Uh, cause I think those are important, uh, as well to, to get to the high performance levels. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's, that's awesome. What, um, so in your career, like what's some major challenges, what was like your biggest challenge that you had to overcome? I, I will say, frankly, the biggest challenge was standing up my own company 18 months ago. Uh, you know, until you do that and take that, you know, we talked about pushing ourselves and pushing into the discomfort zone, man, that was a huge step into the discomfort zone. Um, you know, I had been in, uh, you know, I'd been in the army and then had gone to work for this other, other company and was used to having a regular paycheck. And when you stand up your own business, uh, you don't, have a regular paycheck. And if you don't make sales, there aren't customers coming in the front door. Uh, you're not, you're not getting paid. And I went, uh, almost two months without a client, uh, last summer during the middle of the pandemic. Uh, I did not understand the stress and fear that small business owners have, especially as they're starting out. Cause you don't know if what you're selling is going to resonate with the market. Uh, you think it will. You have this idea, but it may not. And so uh, to me, you know, I, I, you, saw the, you saw the blog post on, on jumping out of a plane. Uh, I, I actually found standing up a company more scary than jumping out of a plane because the jumping out of a plane in the military, you have all these rituals and, and systems and stuff in place. When you start out your own company, you're just out there and, you know, there's no framework. There's no nothing. You, you don't know which shiny ball to chase. You don't know which one to not pay attention to. You know, I'm sure you're getting a million, uh, hey, you know, I can help your business grow to, you know, $10,000 a week, you know, kind of emails from different people. And you're just like, oh, man, there's just so much noise out here. I don't know which way to go and where to to, to take this. Um, it. To me, standing up the company has been, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the scariest thing I've done. And what do you, what's that, what, have you been able to overcome that? You know, how, what have you learned, you know, coming yeah. through that? Well, for the, for those folks that are standing up their own business. Um, so for, 
a couple couple ideas. First off, for the military folks, I would I, I would say, hey, if you're interested in standing up your own business, uh, I know you sort of walked into yours, um, but for most folks, I would encourage them to take a year in another company just to see how corporate America does things. I couldn't have set up my company without having worked for that other company for a while and figured out what I liked and didn't like out of that other company. Um, the second thing is I, I manage my risk by actually setting some boundaries. And for me, what I, what I did was I said, Hey, I'm going to try this for a year. So March of 2020 to March of 2021, and I'll take an assessment in 21, uh, and see where I'm at. And if I'm satisfied that this has got legs, I'll keep doing it. And if it doesn't, you know, I, I tried, I learned, uh, I made, uh, you know, I, I developed some skills in myself um, and I'll be okay with that and I'll go try something else uh, at that point in time. So I got to March of 2021, I developed some clients, I was doing some consulting and doing some executive coaching. I'm like, hey, I'm going to try this for another year. And so once again, I've bounded it and said, okay, I'll try it till 22 and take the assessment and see if the company's, you know, growing and going in the right direction that I, I want it to. Um, you know, I set goals for the company and I've got them right here next to me, uh, on the, on the wall. And I, you know, as I make an assessment here at the end of the year, I know I didn't achieve all of them, but I, you know, I put some goals out there and, uh, you know, tried to take the company in that direction. The, uh, and was it that broad? Um, and maybe you just answered this, but was the March, 2021 deadline, was it that broad? Like, Hey, I'm going to see if I like it, like where this is going by then, or did you have some specific goals even for that first year that were so, tangible? Uh, so I, I had an idea of what I, uh, you know, I had an idea of what sort of income I needed to generate out of the company to say, Hey, this is a viable kind of thing. Um, and so that was a, that was a benchmark. You know, I, I knew I wasn't going to, I knew I wasn't going to have the overnight wonder. You know, it wasn't going to be a million dollar a year company on the on the first year. Uh, but I had an idea of, hey, I you know I wanted it to to reach a certain level, and and um, you know it 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 made it just barely. Uh, and but you know then then you're like, okay, now I'm going to double that next year, and I'll double it the year after, and I'll double it the year after. I I don't know if that's how your first company went, but uh, at least for me that that helped me a, a lot. Yeah. Now I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, I like how you're just bringing awareness to like those boundaries. Like I, I think like, I, I think you're a hundred percent spot on to setting force a vision. You know, some people just start running and they don't really have a vision of where they're running, but you had a vision of, Hey, this is where I'm trying to go. And also had a vision on kind of to your borders of like what you expected it to look like to, to be in order to keep going. I think that's really important to have that, that clarity, you know, I think it probably serves you well to kind of, you, you built some necessity, like, Hey, I got to get it to here. And probably with your gritty mindset, like not, not wanting to not be successful in it. So you had that bar that you had to meet it, it probably served you not, not just, not just your goals, but the minimum, you know? Yeah. Now there was a bit. Of, I, I don't want to give your your listeners a, bat, a, a wrong idea. There was a bit of running around. You know, I I started blogging. <laughs> I had never I, I had never blogged before. Uh, I'm still blogging uh, twice a week. Um, sometimes I wonder if that's the right amount. Is that too much? Too little? Um, you know, I've contemplated going down to one day a week and maybe some longer articles. Um, but when I got ready, I was going to pull the trigger at uh, blog post number 150 and go down to once a week. And all of a sudden, I had a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to say. And then I was like, oh, well, I'll keep going. I'll keep going at, at two times a week. But, you know, I'm not sure. You know, you know, you try to figure out, hey, how is that making an impact? Is that resonating? Is it, you know, providing folks something of value uh, and something that, that's that's useful? And I don't, I'm sure it's the same with you. You know, you get, you know, texts or emails from different uh, folks you've had on the podcast, you know, those sort of notes back, you know, you don't realize, you know, that somebody's reading your stuff and like, Hey, I really liked, you know, blog post number 157. I was like, 
I didn't even know you were you were paying attention. Uh, but you know that to me is where I get yeah. you know the return on that kind of uh, investment. And I've had to pivot some too. You know, I thought you know uh, I would start getting calls to do talks, um, and those haven't come uh, as much as I thought they were going to uh, come. And so instead, I've I've moved to executive coaching, which. Uh, you know, we talked about before the show started was just sort of a, a, a chance encounter, you know, same way that the book was just sort of a chance encounter with talking to somebody and said, hey, yeah, I think you've got some grit. And, uh, you know, why don't you take a look at this guy's stuff? And I was like, huh, I don't think he's got a process. So maybe I can help some folks and uh, help them accomplish their goals. Yeah, no, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, and I think, like I said, the, the reviews I saw in the book were great. And um, I mean, what's your, what are you working on now? What are you excited about now? What are you working on? Um, actually one of the, so in the be open to opportunities, uh, kind of thing, uh, for folks, um, had a West Point cl- classmate, uh, contact me and said, Hey, I really like your grit stuff. We're doing some stuff with an app for soccer players and we'd really like you to come in and help us, uh, build a, an assessment tool that uh, looks at some of the psychological aspects of good soccer players. And uh, we'd like to add that. They're doing a bunch of stuff on the data side uh, with soccer players. Um, And so uh, I've dug into building assessments and uh, we'll put something together that, that probably goes live uh, in January or February uh, for this friend that was just like, Hey, I'm, this is kind of interesting. And I've dug into you know the the big five, you know, the questions that are that are asked in the big five indicators and the grit surveys and stuff like that. Like, hey, there's something here that might be able to figure out which which soccer players in development have a chance to go further than than others. And so, uh, I, I'm excited about it. And it just was an opportunity that kind of happened because I'd been talking about grit, I've been blogging, and put the book out. And so, um, be open to opportunities that come. That, that may come your way. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep your head up. I think that, that's awesome. Like to see, cause like you said earlier, I think like you don't necessarily know what the market's demanding. Like you've got an idea that you think they want, but once you kind of get out there, it'll tell you what it wants, you know, right. and you kind of got to be agile and you got to kind of maybe again, back to checking your ego a little bit, go, Hey, th- I know I wanted to go here, but I keep getting asked for this and seems like, this is going to pay the bill. So you kind of start to kind of re- reflect and adjust a little bit. Yeah. Like I played around um, like uh, Printful. I don't know if you, you've, you know, there's an, you know, it's an amazing time to start a business because there's so many different tools out there that you can stand up a business with just about anything. And so Printful is an on-demand printing company. I paid a guy through Fiverr to design some grit logos and I started doing for a little while on my website, I had t-shirts and hats that said, uh, grit. Um, and, uh, but one of the barriers to entry for me at least was, uh, sales tax and, you know, selling them off my own website. I didn't want to have to deal with sales tax and multiple, uh, you know, uh, the jurisdiction jurisdictions, you know, Amazon handles it for me on the book sales. So I don't have to, to worry about that. But with the, and there's a company out there called tax jar that will do it for you, but they want $99 a month to handle your sales tax. And I wasn't sure I was going to make, I, I wasn't sure I was selling $99, even $99 worth of merchandise uh, a month uh, off the website. So uh, I, I tried it for a little while. I bought one of my own t-shirts and then I shelved it um, uh, just because I, I didn't want to deal with that <laughs> that side of it. But I don't know how you're doing it, but uh, just some some neat things where you try the you, you test the market and you say, huh, okay, I'll try that and see what happens. Yeah. I, I mean, and that goes back to just taking risk, but like taking risk with an intention, a bit of a hypothesis, like, hey, I, I want to do this because and know what your intentions are and what you hope to get out of it. But, but again, having that, that, that uh, boundary that if it's not, you know, but this is what I expect. And if it's not directionally accurate or towards this or looking like it's going to get there, you got to go back and bat, you know, weigh it against your, your goals and priorities. Yeah. 
the uh, with regard to the book, coming up on time, David. What's uh, what's what ways can people find the book? Reach out to you. What's your, what's your preferred access? Yeah, so so the book's up on 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 Amazon. You can buy it uh, for your Kindle uh, in soft cover or or hardcover. Uh, if you do want a signed copy, uh, just send me an email. Uh, go to my website at www.thefivecoatconsultinggroup.com, uh, and uh, my email's all over it. Shoot me an email, and I can send you uh, a signed copy. We'll we'll work we'll work through that. Um, love folks to check out the website. Check out the blog. Uh, the The blog is there on the website, but I also cross post it on LinkedIn. Uh, so folks can find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, David Fivecode on on LinkedIn, uh, and would love to talk to him about uh, anything, either uh, bike riding, uh, crisis and confidence, uh, growing your grit, uh, or or anything. Love to love to talk to your listeners. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, like I say, the blog's awesome. Um, like my favorites when you guys get out there and look for it, the one about um, you know the value of coaching, especially if you're an executive and you kind of bearing that burden you i think you did a really great piece on that great piece on courage you know you're singing singing uh talking my language on that one so i I love your stuff and um looking forward to seeing what else you put out there man thanks dale thanks for having me today really enjoyed this yep thanks for being on 